Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Reading our text in Jeremiah chapter 28. Jeremiah 28. And our text is simply how long, yet profoundly how long. But uh, share with me or bear with me as we read our text today. Uh, and it came to pass, beginning with verse 1. It came to pass the same year in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, which was of Gibeon, spake unto me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years will I bring again into this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried them to Babylon. And I will bring again in this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king, a king of Judah, with all the captives of Judah that went into Babylon, saith the Lord. For I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah said unto the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and in the presence of the, all the people that stood in the house of the Lord. Even the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, the Lord do so. The Lord perform thy words, which thou hast prophesied to bring again the vessels of the Lord's house and all that is carried away captive from Babylon into this place. <clears throat> Nevertheless, nevertheless, hear thou now this word that I speak in thine ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets that have been before me and before thee of old prophesied both against many countries and against great king, kingdoms of war and of evil and pest of pestilence, the prophet which prophesieth of peace when the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord has truly sent him. Then Hananiah, <clears throat> the prophet, took the yoke from off the prophet Jeremiah's neck and brake it. And Hananiah spake in the presence of all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Even so will I break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all nations within the space of two full years. And the prophet of Jeremiah went his way. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the prophet, 
after that Hananiah the prophet had broken the yoke from off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Go and tell Hananiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast broken the yokes of wood, but thou shalt make for them yokes of iron. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron upon the neck of all these nations, that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him, and I have given him the beasts of the fields, field also. Then said the prophet Jeremiah unto Hananiah, the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord hath not sent thee, but thou makest this people to trust in a lie. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will cast thee from off the face of the earth. This year thou shalt die, because thou hast taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month. That's my text. But I wanted to read it all because of the context of it, that uh, Hananiah was a false prophet, obviously. Jeremiah was the prophet of God. And the Lord had commanded him or told him concerning this yoke that he had put about his neck to be a sign or a symbol to all the people of Israel as well as those enemies of Babylon. The Lord had told Jeremiah to make him a yoke and put it about his neck. The, the purpose of the yoke was to portray that they would be taken into captivity by Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and the, the, this neck, these, this, their necks, I should say, their necks was symbolized in the neck of uh, Jeremiah with this yoke. Let me back up to chapter 27 and uh, read where this took place in chapter 27, and I'm not going to read this whole chapter. But let me just read the first few verses of chapter 27 and verse 1 beginning. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord to me, Make thee bonds and yokes, and put them upon thy neck. Send them to the king of Edom to the king of Moab, to the king of the Ammonites, to the king of Tyrus, to the king of Zidon, by the hand of the messengers which came to come to Jerusalem unto Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and command them to say unto their masters, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall ye say unto your masters, I have made the earth, the man, and the beast that are upon the ground, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, by servant, and the beasts of the field have I given him also to serve him. So this is where it all began. The prophet Jeremiah was told to, if, you, if we can only imagine this, and that's all we can do, but imagine him being told by the Lord to make this yoke made out of wood and put it on his neck. Now, that's 
Well, that's significant enough. But let me go on a little bit about this. Now, Jehoiakim, that was during this time that the Lord told him to put this yoke upon him in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim reigned for 11 years. 11 years. And then his son, Jehoiakim, uh, was placed upon the throne. He only reigned like three months. And then it was Zedekiah. And that's where it all began in my reading was Zedekiah was the one that was king, was involved here at this particular time. So if we put it all together, if I'm figuring right, I did go to school and I did learn how to add. And it looked to me like that Jeremiah wore this yoke for at least 11 years. I can't hardly imagine that. But that the point is, God was emphasizing that what he was saying, it's going to happen. It may not happen today or tomorrow or next year or 10 years from now, but for 11 years, it would seem that uh, they had a witness, the people had a witness that of what he was saying. Of naturally, they did more uh, difficulties, difficult times. They didn't want to be taken into captivity. They didn't want Babylon to invade their country. They didn't want Nebuchadnezzar to take them all and destroy their city. But that is what happened. And it was because of their rebellion against God. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he pleaded with them to, this is what Nehemiah, or Jeremiah was saying, you might as well surrender because it's going to happen. And if you will surrender and submit, uh, then God will have mercy and there won't be as many people that will be uh, killed in uh, the invasion. And so he was wearing this yoke. It's going to happen, folks. You're going to be taken into captivity. And uh, the way we have no way of knowing that the prophet himself, Jeremiah, I don't read anywhere, God said you're going to wear this yoke for 11 days or 11 months or especially 11 years, but he just said, take it and wear it as a sign uh, to all the people that you minister to that uh, judgment is coming. And even this false prophet by the name of Hananiah, he was so smart. He said, I'll show you, Jeremiah, you don't know what you're talking about. So he took the yoke of wood somehow and broke it and removed it from uh, Jeremiah's neck and to try to prove he didn't, that Jeremiah wasn't preaching the truth. But anyway, the Lord said, make you a yoke of iron. See how he breaks that. But Ananiah was a false prophet, and you know what happened to that as we read. And even this false prophet uh, did not change the fact that it was going to happen. In the book of, uh, in that same book of Jeremiah, chapter 39, in verse 1, it says, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, well, here it's actually Nebuchadnezzar, as it's uh, interpreted, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. So Babylon did invade the country, just as the prophet and his yoke told them that it was going to happen. Zedekiah, who one of those that denied it, he tried to get away, but he was caught. 
And one of the most impressive and disturbing things about it is that Zedekiah, who was one of the rebellious kings and, and disobedient and not believing the message of Jeremiah, uh, he had this to happen to him after all this time of being warned. The last thing that Zedekiah saw was his two sons being killed and then his own eyes put out. And that was the last thing that he saw. And then he was taken in shackles uh, into Babylonian captivity. What, what I'm saying here and what I'm reading all of this is to emphasize by reading this and saying this, God's word's going to be fulfilled whether it pleases us or makes us feel good or doesn't make us feel good. It is going to happen regardless of the skeptics. In fact, Jeremiah faced a lot of opposition. If you read the book of Jeremiah, you'll find that he had a lot of opposition. He was arrested different times. He was put in a pit, a pit at one time, just sunk down into the mire of that pit. And if it wasn't for his, his buddy and whatever, and, the, and a merciful king at that time, he would have died in that pit. But Jeremiah got quite upset like we get upset once in a while when things don't go to suit us. And, and Jeremiah got upset. He, got, he said this in verse 9 of chapter 20. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire that was shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. So there was something in him. And I pray today... Uh, in this service today and each one of us today that there is in us that we've got enough of this in here that we're going to stand regardless of the opposition, regardless of what may come against us. And in our lifetime, we have seen quite a few things come against the church and the people of God. And sadly, I've seen too many of the people of God who threw up their hands and, and left the church, left God, if you will, turned their back on the word of God, but it didn't change the word of God. It's still there. The Lord is coming. Judgment is on its way. Trouble is on its way. We rejoice uh, after 50 years of praying and fasting and praying some more concerning the condition of the Supreme Court of a decision that was made in 1973 that should never have been made. Since then, some 60 million innocents have had their life ripped from them, taken from them. But now we have five sensible, I don't know about how sane they are, but sensible men that said that's not the way it ought to be. So we're rejoicing for the decision of the Supreme Court that says this abortion thing is not constitutional. So let's be thankful and let's praise God and thank God for these brave men. I, <clears throat> I don't want to get too political here, but my, this is my chance to do it. So let me do it a little bit at least. But if we turn the clock back, about five years or six years or something like that, something like, I don't remember when those uh, justices were appointed, but if the previous president 
had not had the opportunity of appointing three uh, justices to that court, we wouldn't be rejoicing today because the decision wouldn't have been made as it was made. God works all things out according to the prayers and will, his will, and the prayers of his people. God's word. My, my, again, my text, how long? And that's, that's in essence what I'm trying to say here that no doubt Jeremiah must have felt because I read no place where the Lord said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to read this. I want you to wear this yoke. Put this yoke on your neck. I want you to wear it as a sign, a symbol to the people. And, and we, I want you to do it for 11 days, 11 months. And he certainly didn't tell Jeremiah 11 years. But the point is, Jeremiah was faithful regardless. He put on that yoke. I don't think, because I wasn't there, I didn't know, I don't know, but I, I don't think that Jeremiah got up each morning and said, Lord, do I take it off today? Do I take it off this year? But for 11 years, wearing that yoke and saying by what he was doing, judgment's coming, folks. Judgment is coming. I know that's maybe a gloomy, <laughs> gloomy declaration, but it's going to happen. The Lord is coming. I know we rejoice, and may we do so. Shout and rejoice. Live as if the Lord's never going to come uh, each day, but work and watch and look and long as if he was going to come today before you get to McDonald's. Amen. And then if you go there, well, anyway. In chapter 36, uh, Jeremiah while he was in prison, one of those times he was in prison, the Lord gave him a message. He wrote it down in a scroll, rolled it all up, gave it to his, his companion, uh, Baruch, and told him to take it. And he get, anyway, he finally got to the king, Jehoiakim, uh, Jehoiakim. And when the king heard the message that was being read to him, he let it only read just a few pages. Then he took it took his little knife out and sliced it to pieces and threw it into the fireplace and burned it up. He said, in essence, here's what I think of the prophet's message. I'll just get rid of it. Well, Baruch went back, told Jeremiah, Jeremiah the king tore up and burned up your message. And so Jeremiah was told by God, I didn't forget what I wrote. So write it again and send it back. Amen. The thing is, God's word is settled forever in heaven. There's no changes, no alterings, none whatsoever. He is coming, folks. Hold on. Hold on. It's no time to turn back. Amen. Just because Jehoiakim didn't like what was written, it didn't change God's uh, opinion or God's thought or God's judgment. The point is, that all, all of America may reject God. Uh, the next Supreme Court say could outlaw, well, that's not the right word, but the next uh, Supreme Court to say the Bible is not constitutional and, and get rid of that. Of course, they've been trying to do that for a long time, haven't they? But it's not going to change the word of God. It's still the same. Acts 2.30, it is still there. It's still there. Amen. You've heard the story. Let me insert this a little bit. It's not my notes, but it's in my mind. Let me insert this. I remember years ago, many years ago, they used to have debates quite frequently. In fact, we had one here one time, remember? 
had a debate here between uh, uh, Brother uh, Jerry Hayes and the uh, so-called Church of Christ preacher. Anyway, that's detracting a little bit. But anyway, I remember hearing about a debate they had between an apostolic preacher and a Trinitarian. And, of course, the apostolic preacher was emphasizing Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38 again and again. And his opponent, the Christian uh, so-called Trinitarian preacher, was making fun of him. So all he's doing is, you know, he's just Acts 2.30. He can't find it anywhere else to argue. And uh, the preacher anyway let him know in order to find the Trinity, you got to get out of the Bible because it's not in the Bible. you got to go to paganism. But anyway, the, the apostolic preacher finally came back after being uh, criticized so much. And, and in his country brogue, he said, Acts 2.38, it's still the R. It's still the R. It hasn't changed. Acts 2.38 is still there. We still got to repent. We still got to be baptized in Jesus' name. We still must be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we will speak in tongues when we receive the Holy Ghost. So God's word is established. We can reject it, but it's not going to change it. We may even rewrite the Bible, but it's, that would be our writings, not God's. God's word's already established, already established. Now, the prophet, he may have not known any way as to or anyhow how long that his prophecies uh, before they would come to pass. And the kings didn't, of course. But the thing which should have been, uh, been done and what you and I should and must do is obey the word, live for God, be faithful. And one of these days, one of these days, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't know how else to say it. It's going to happen. Regardless if it's against our feelings, against our opinion, against our view, our interpretation, it's still here. The Lord's coming back. Judgment is coming. And chaos is going to come upon this world. As to how long, we don't know. Just be faithful. Be faithful. And, and also, another thing to, to me, as I went through these chapters again, that Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, he didn't know that he only had 11 years to be king. He only had 11 years to witness his sons and have an, a, a, an enjoyable, hopefully a enjoyable time with them before his eyes would be taken out put out somehow I don't know how but the last things he would see would be the death of those two sons it's interesting you know when I got into this it got sticky when I think about Jeremiah you got to wear this yoke my goodness that's something God's requiring you to wear this yoke God's requiring you to dress right God's requiring you to talk right God's requiring you to live right God's requiring you. Yeah, that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible teaches. Holiness, godliness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That's what he says in the word of God. But I, look at Isaiah. Isaiah is a good example for us. Did you know the prophet Isaiah was told by God to walk among the people of Israel for three years naked? 
Now talk about a very impressive message. Whew. That yoke was impressive enough. But can you? No, don't do that. Walking around naked for three years. That's chapter 20 and verse 2. Read it for yourself in the book of Isaiah. Uh, and, and, and this was for uh, a message against uh, message of judgment against Egypt and Ethiopia. Uh, and then Ezekiel, he's, a, he's the prophet. Isaiah was before Jeremiah and Ezekiel was after Jeremiah. Ezekiel, listen to Jeremiah, or Ezekiel in chapter 4. In, in chapter 4 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was told, lay on your, on your left side for three, nine, 390 days. Here God's being specific. Lay on your left side for 390 days. And then, then he says, lay on your right side for 40 days. My, my. So for 430 days, nights, you're going to write, lay on your left side a while and then on your right side a while. This was to signify, he had built a little display here uh, about what was going to happen, the besiege that was going to take, the, the sieging that was going to take place and everything against Jerusalem. Not only that, but in verse 12 through 15, the prophet was, listen to this. Now this really gets you folks. And you're getting ready to go to McDonald's or somewhere. But the Bible tells us that Ezekiel was told what to eat during this period of time. In verses 12 through 15 of chapter 4, uh, they, he was to take wheat and barley and beans and lentils and millet and fitches. Now, that's all right. Sounds kind of like Daniel's fast food, doesn't it? But anyway, that's not, that's not all of it. He was to mix all of that, and then he was, to, he was to bake it with dung from his own body, or at least dung from man. And Ezekiel said, whoops, Lord. <laughs> now, I can understand all that, that, that grain stuff. I can understand that, but I've never had that kind of stuff in my mouth. And so the Lord says, in essence, he said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But I tell you what you do, you use cow's dung and bake it with that. Yuck. Yuck. You mean God asked me to do, yeah, that's what God asked you to do. What's the purpose of it? What's, so that you're an example, you're a witness, you're obedient to the word of God. Why does God say, live like you live? Why, why are apostolics, oh my, they're not like they used to be but they should be. Why are apostolics strict when it comes to living right, doing right, talking right, treating one another right? Amen. Why are apostolics so strong when it tells us we got to do business dealings right? We're not to lie. We're not to cheat. We're not to uh, hate, if you will. We're to love our even love our enemies, Jesus said. Do good to those that despitefully uh, use us. Now, when the apostles, when they committed, that early church committed themselves to live for the Lord, they didn't know what they were getting into exactly. They just said they were going to follow him. When Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, they left their nets. They committed themselves, and they followed him. Little did they know they were going to be taken to prison. Little did they know they were going to be beaten. Little did they know they were going to, some of them, most of them, 11 out of 12 of them, would die as a mortar. Little did they know that. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold, but I tell you what, I know who holds tomorrow, and that's all that really matters. 
I'm going to hold on by God's grace, regardless of what God has required for us to uh, do and to live. Uh, Stephen was the first mortar, stoned to death because of what he was living and preaching. James had his head cut off because of who he was and what he was preaching. The other apostles, again, they all died martyrs' death. Uh, Apostle Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down. And some of them were stoned to death and beaten with clubs to death. If you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you have never read Fox's Book of Mortars, I would, I would encourage you to, um, to get a hold of it if you don't already have it and read this historical view of uh, the experiences, the persecutions, and the deaths of the church saints since Pentecost. The story of the cross is a bloody story. I know this is gloomy and doomy, I guess, and, and maybe I ought to be talking about something shouty. But anyway, the story of the church is a bloody story. It was established with blood. It was purchased with blood. And it's blood all the way from Pentecost to this day in which you and I are living. In Medora, Indiana, we are safe and secure. In our small community, thank God for it. But there are places in our country right now that are suffering for the name of Jesus. There are people right now in our world that, that are imprisoned, that are, have been persecuted and are being persecuted because of their stand for, for the Lord. So since the day of Pentecost, the church has been an object of rejection and, re, and uh, uh, threats of death and whatever. When we said yes to the invitation and to the wooing of the Spirit, and was born into this wonderful group of ch the church members, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Again, probably the preacher shouted and rejoiced, and the church rejoiced and shouted, and we felt so good when we came to the altar and found something we'd never had before, and we felt so good about it. And then finally we got up, woke up, and come to ourselves and realized this is a way of commitment. This is, this is a way of, of surrender to the will of God. But regardless, if we may be as Paul was, in fact, he made this statement similar to this, that he had scars on his body from those things that had been inflicted against him and because of his stand for the Lord. I don't have any scars. I don't have any hair, but I don't have any scars that has been brought upon me because of what I've preached what I've stood for, what I, how I've conducted myself. I don't see any scars on any of you. If you've got any, please expose. No, maybe. Maybe not. But anyway, let's stand for God. That, that old song came to me this morning and before a lot of you's time. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim his promise and, and, and so on. Amen. I don't remember the rest of it. But uh, I remember Melissa used to sing that uh, for us. But anyway, the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in, in Luke 9, 23, he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Follow me. Now, we think of this cross 
Uh, I know we think of the cross as boresome, as horrible, as something that's so difficult. Well, the cross that Jesus carried certainly wasn't, a, it wasn't made out of paraffin. It wasn't made out of, uh, what is it, what's that soft stuff? Balsam wood. It wasn't made out of that. No, it was heavy. And maybe sometimes you may feel like your walk with God is heavy. You're burdened down. You got to do this instead of that. You may feel that way, but I can assure you, my fellow pilgrim, that if you'll hold on to the Lord and be faithful to God and live for the Lord, one of these days you're going to hear the most welcome sound you have ever heard in your all your born days. It's going to be the sound of a trumpet. It's going to be a call from on high. As the writer in Song of Solomon put it, when the bridegroom was looking for his bride, come away, my love, come away, my love, come away, you've done your best, you've stood the test, it's time to rest, amen. I'm looking forward to glory. I'm looking forward to the trumpet sound, amen. Whatever you're doing, however you're living, don't, don't compromise it. Be faithful, be true to it, live for God uh, again, regardless of what you're, you're confronted with. Because uh, all of this, it, again, using our Lord as, a, as a, an example, when he was beaten with stripes, had thorns of, a crown of thorns put on his head, he was spit upon, he had his beard pulled out, some of it. And all of this humiliating uh, things that were done to him and, and, and whatever, and then to carry his own cross up the hill of Golgotha and have himself nailed to that cross and die on that cross. <clears throat> it was all gruesome and horrible and whatever, but oh, wait for three more days. <clears throat> wait for three more days. Judgment is horrible. Death is horrible. But after it's all over with, think about it. Victory is on its way. There's going to be a glorification take place. One day I'm going to be free from every pain. I'm going to be free from every problem, every circumstance that I'm confronted with in this old world that wants to drag me down. Victory's waiting for us. Our question is, of course, how long? I don't know how long. I just know if we hold on, it's going to be worth it all. Amen. Now, the questions that may fill our mind at times and I think that some have had it, Jeremiah had it, how long before victory arrives? How long before death comes? How long before the trumpet sounds? How long before judgment day? How long do we have to carry this sickness? How long do we have to endure this pain? How long? There are a lot of people that are asking that question right now. And, and uh, the longest, I've thought of this, the longest, darkest night is the one that's filled with anxiety when we don't know how long this night's going to last. But it's happening. Uh, what is, how did the psalmist say it? Weeping, is it weeping? Weeping may endure the night, but what? <laughs> Whoa, I like that last part. Weeping may endure the night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Amen. Weeping may come in, may invade our house, bring all of its ugly stuff inside and just take up its abode in our house, kick us out of our bed and sleep in our own bed and kick us in on a cot. But oh, weeping, I'll put up with you 
all night long. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, this yoke is telling you, your day is numbered or your night is numbered. Your, op, your objection and rejection of me and my lifestyle, it's numbered. Because when that sun pops up in the morning, you got to pack up your duds and leave because there's a new tenant that's taking place in the morning. When the sun arrives, joy's coming to my house. Hallelujah. So hold on, pilgrim. Joy's on its way. The Lord is coming. And, and, and the longest valley, you may feel like you're going through one now, right now, and it may feel like a long valley of despair, but I grant you there, there's green grass on the other side. There's victory waiting for us on the other side. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6 and verse 10, is that place where John describes some, some souls who were under the altar. And their cry was to the Lord, How long, Lord? How long before you judge and avenge our blood? And the Lord was told them, Just, just rest a while. It's coming. Victory is coming. The question the disciples had, in Matthew 24, in verse 3, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of... Their a question, their mind was thinking, how long, how long, how long is it going to be? Some of you have been in church a long time, haven't you? Some of y'all have been in church 20 years, haven't you? Some of y'all have been in church 40 years, and some of us 50 years, some of us 60 years, and... And some of y'all got gray hair, and, and some of y'all, anyway, it's been a long journey. But it's not a despairing feeling. It's, it's not a feeling of gloom. No, no, no. The closer I get and the older I get, the more excited I become of what I feel about what is going to happen one of these days. One of these days, one of these days. Thank God for the hope. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, I am now ready to be offered the time of my departures at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then notice what he said in verse 8. Henceforth, henceforth, because I've done all this, therefore there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but listen, but to all them, um, unto all them also that love his appearing. Are you looking for him, church? Are you looking for him, church? Anxious for that great day? Uh, we've got some loved ones I'd like to see. I've got some loved ones I'd like to see. You've heard, us, you've heard me be, uh, before when I've sat, maybe not right here, but somewhere. I said in Matthew 8 and verse 11, we're going to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in that day. And I can only imagine sitting, sitting with those old patriarchs. Can you imagine meeting Abraham, mm -hmm. Isaac, his son, Jacob, his grandson, Jesus was referring to the Old Testament. Well, I'm not in the Old Testament. I'm in the New Testament. So let me imagine. I'm going to sit with James and John and Peter and Paul and Matt. <laughs> That's who I'm going to be able to sit with. And so the Lord warns us, admonishes us in the book of Revelation, 
what is it, 3 and 11 or 10 there, hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. I've got a reservation up yonder. I got a reservation at that table. Amen. I, I want to keep that reservation. I want to sit with those precious men. I want to see Paul for myself. I want to see James and John. I'd like to shake the hand of the Apostle Peter that said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want to be there. Amen? But, oh, Lord, let me drag it up a little bit closer. I look forward to that time when I can sit down with Brother Weiniger. I can sit down with Sister Shepherd. I can sit down with, 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 with uh, Sister Ruth's mother. I can sit down. Mm, I'm calling names now, and I know I'm missing. I don't, somebody call somebody's name. Who, who you want to see? Who? Dale. Amen. Sister Judith. Dale Rob. What did you say? Brother McCoy, ooh, amen, amen. Anybody else want to sit with somebody? Do Dick Lane, okay. He'll have his legs then, amen. Sister Ruth, what'd you say? Papo Giano, amen, amen. Anybody else you anxious to sit with them? We, we, amen, Brother Wade, amen, ooh. I tell you what, the more you talk, the more excited it becomes. So hold on. Let's not stop. We're almost there, folks. We're almost, we're almost home. Amen. So what a, what a, stand with me. I'm going to shut up. But to think of the hope that's within us that wasn't given to us uh, by man, but it was given to us by the Lord himself. Because he died, we can live. Because he resurrected, we will. And because he's coming back, he promised that. Paul enumerated in his writings, in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm not going to read it, but you know what I'm talking about, about all the things that he suffered. Shipwreck, stoned to death, beaten with rods, and... Uh, various other things that Paul lists that he had endured. And I know sometimes maybe even some of us have felt like, Lord, I'm having more troubles than anybody. I got more hurts than anybody. I've got more people that hate me than anybody. But you're not alone. You're not alone. Regardless of the scars you have, the pain you feel, the tears you've shed, you're not alone. You're part of this glorious family. And Paul went on in verse 29 and 30 of that chapter. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. So with the conditions which our world is in today, how can it be much longer? How can it be? We realize society, realize what's happening in our good old U.S. of A., realizing the technology that's taking place and all the capabilities of numbering all of society and all these other things. God's word's going to be fulfilled. But I'm going to gather around the throne one day 
Why don't you come and gather with me? I'm going to gather around the throne one day. I'm going to rejoice because I have the opportunity, the honor, the privilege of looking upon the face of the one that died for me. Amen. Oh, my, if he would say, son, this is why I died. My, my, this is why I died. This was, this was Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.